You know, yeah. I wanna, might want to start with the leg, these very intricate kits that have been made over the course of the school year. Have you been a long-term Lego maker yourself? This is not my work. This is my daughter and my husband's. That's what they all say. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I first learned about you when somebody at your old management company said, hey, our new artist, Vanessa, she is, this song is going to set the world on fire. And uh, I think we're going to change the name of it to a, you know, a thousand miles. Like, oh yeah, sure. She's going to be big, you know, and then you see it's the biggest damn thing ever. And it's great to see that you're still making incredible music 20 years later. Like most people tail off. They have that period where it's not as good as, as it once was. You're still great. Thank you for being you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so, you. For it's definitely a journey. You know, <clears throat> that's the thing. It's like things have been flow. So I think that coming out with a record when I'm so young, which don't get me wrong, there's other artists that were about 19, 20, or wrote, wrote their records 17, 18, and really came out as fully formed artists. Yeah. I can name a few, like my John McCauley, um, when he was about first year to get record, uh, Fiona Apple. Um, I'm definitely the type of artist that was learning as I, as I did each project. I feel like I grew up in front of the world and I'm happy that I had some records there where I was just able to grow on my own and not have everybody watch. Um, yeah. So, so I would just going back to what you're saying, like, I don't think it, I, I think, I don't know what great is. I think the, the journey for me though has been like really much more about finding the courage to explore new things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which album was it that you were finally able to get out of A&R hell and just be yourself? The third one? Yeah, so my first three records were, on, were I was really in the major label kind of system that's now, I think still exists for like super huge pop stars and artists that are mainstream, but that doesn't really exist. Any, so, so then I, I funded my own record and went the more independent route um, on my fourth record called Rabbits on the Run. And that was like, that was my record that I'd always kind of wanted to make. And I was, I think that not to put down the other things that I had done, but I was trying to be a certain way or fulfill obligations or um, felt pressure to um, live up to some idea that was like projected onto me. And that was, that's what happens when you're young and, or you're not really sure of yourself. You know, that's what I'm saying. People sometimes grow up in front of the world. Yeah. I'm calling this a new record because unfortunately the COVID news cycle ate up a lot of great culture that happened a year ago. So oh, the deluxe know. part of it is a new album. Now you worked with one of my favorite producers, Dave Fridman. And I know people who've worked with Dave Fridman. I'm curious what the first album was that kind of put him on your radar where you went, I know this guy makes awesome sounds. I got to be with him. Well, a lot of the Flaming Lips records, and I will say that um, I didn't get really into psychedelic. I don't know what how you would categorize that, that band because that's more of a modern. It's not like um, there's plenty of psychedelic music from the 70s, which is sort of like yeah. it's, oh, I feel like that's a certain thing a lot of instrumental music. Flaming Lips is like a modern take on psychedelia, you know? And I think that that sure. was 
that that band is really what introduced me to Dave. Um, Dave is like sort of like the I don't know forgetting how many members are in Flaming Lips, but he's like the sixth member or fifth member or whatever. Yeah. Um, and um, and then it, it just went from there. There's a lot of records that came out in the 2000s that were so excellent, and I kept looking at them and looking who made this and who was part of recording this or whatever. And it was always Dave, whether yeah. it was it was um, Tim and Paula or um, um okay go mgmt um, yeah and then i've got really into mercury rev records um in the in the last five years i got very into mercury rev and started breaking that down studying those records uh, and then i uh, just this kind of this project i part of this this project love is an art which is this record we're talking about in my mind one of the main ingredients to the, making this record was being able to work with dave friedman on it I just got lucky that he he said okay. <laughs> so something I'm very curious about is with your craft. Do you hear the songs like as in what we hear on the album is what you heard in your head? Because I can only imagine with a song like, for example, "Back to Life." There's interesting production going on. I can hear the skeleton of the song, but I'm sure there was a little gloss in the studio that happens when you work with Dave. Oh, that that's so interesting that you bring up that song. That was like a song that. I believe I, I played it and sang it in two different in two different times. I may not have that. That may have been one of those takes where I sing and play at the same time. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that was, he is such a wonderful, he's such wonderful ears. And he just sort of built these motifs around it, around what I played. Um, that was not one of like the band songs on the record, uh, the drum, the, the, the drummer and the, the guitar player, um, John played some guitar, it was Patrick Hallahan from My Morning Jacket and Adam Landry played guitar. And um, Dave was the bass player, but it, Back to Life was just, I played it and he built these things around it. And then I brought in my friend, Sky Steele, who, play, uh, who plays the violin, who tours with me sure. on, all, on all my tours. And he did these really cool, spooky string parts. And that song that we just spoke about with Back to Life, the the music video of it is stunning, beautiful, looks cool, yet COVID compliant. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, is it just a happy accident that the video is COVID compliant? I know, you know, it's so funny. It's just the way, so, so the aerial shot of yeah. the building, that's where I record the record. Um, the frit, so, and I worked with a, uh, um, now forgetting Patrick McPherson, Patrick McFerrin in his, anyway, his, his Instagram or his, um, artist name is interior state. He's brilliant. Mm -hmm. He, uh, we gave him the, the video of like just the, the, um, this, these beautiful aerial shots of where I recorded the record. And then he built that around it. But yeah, I mean, I was going to say Dave leads a pretty isolated, covid friendly life but in a good way like in a balanced way i'm like this guy like was prepared for this for many decades like he's sure. doing good in covid you know <laughs> so with this album being a year you know since it initially got released before it gets this deluxe treatment are you the kind of artist that has like 30 songs ready for the next one never or is it never okay i write for the project i i'll i'll have a backlog sometimes of some demo ideas that I haven't finished and I go listen I'm like oh I don't know why I didn't think that was 
I don't know why I didn't finish that. I need to readdress that. It's just like with any work that you do, you put it down, take a break, go back. So I teach my six-year-old, you know, <laughs> um, but I'm in the midst now, like you call it pre-production, but like, mm-hmm. you know, Dave and I are talking and I want to do another record with him. That would be amazing. I just don't have, I'm this year. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe in the same place. I feel like a lot of us are been hit with so many, um, I just feel with this year has been a mirror where we have to look at ourselves quite differently, Mm -hmm. a different angle. And I'm still digesting that and what that means for all of us and what that means for me. And it's takes a second for me to like translate that into work. You know what I mean? Into expression. That makes a lot of sense. Some people like myself kind of use this time to work on their craft and other people like, random name the singer of the fratellis who i've spoken to a few times said he's written one and a half songs in the last two years he's just he's got nothing thank you for sharing that with me because i like even recently john was like you've been played in so long i mean i was playing a lot last summer we're living in um upstate new york in a rental home in between homes right now we're really like transient we got i got my my baby grand piano moved in and i didn't really play much but i'm starting to play a little bit now so by the way, I'm loving the photos, the photo wall, like the decor, oh. the vibe behind you is very strong. <laughs> Thank you. My wife is very, very tolerant of, of all that. And if we, I'll have to see, I might have an eight by 10 of you from like 2002. If I have it, we'll change out Gallagher and we'll put you on the wall. You, you, yeah. 2002. What a year. The, <laughs> The, the frames are what, you know, brings it all together. I'm sure that she's pleased with that. Thank you. We, the other angle is you'll see a Pac-Man machine and other people go, oh, what do you have? Why do you have that? But John would be for that. Yeah. Do you have time for three more questions? Because I know we got started a little sure. late. Sure. Okay. First question. A lot of people, one of their first big exposures to your personality was your MTV Cribs. And you had the distinction of pointing out that you had a washing machine. And that was how you knew that you made it in New York City. I'm forgetting. Yeah. Is Cribs real or is it like 50% real? My Cribs was was real. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I wonder. That was what a time that was, right? Like, it's so amazing how MTV just like disappeared. Yeah, totally, totally. Change, you know. Um, I'm a little embarrassed that I, I, I don't, you know, it's just, again, it's like growing up and in pop culture is weird. It's like, I don't know if I, I wouldn't do something like that now because I don't know how much that, that's just like, it's entertaining to watch, but like, are you really helping anybody? Like, what are you, and you know, like, it's just such a 24 year old thing to do. Like, yeah. You know it's hard I mean? to get weird name checky, but like the, the band Super Drag, who I used to work with, I asked like, guys, do you regret anything from when you had your big hit? And they're like, yeah, doing House of Style on MTV. That was not a good look. And so some people have that kind of, I shouldn't have done that, but I think you were part of a big uh, institution there. And my second thing is I've had the pleasure of interviewing Terry Crews. Uh, you're forever linked with him. He's a great guy. I, I, we became friends or after since that movie and not until actually recently did we start talking on the phone but um I, I, he's such a lovely man and, did, and um, very sweet just generous person you know 
did that um, interpretation of the song, which she's had to do on TV a lot of times, did that make it more fun again to, to do? Because by the time that happened, it had already been a hit five, six years. You'd probably played it a thousand times, but mm -hmm. did it breathe new life in a way? Um, I don't know, probably for other people, not for me. You know, I don't even think I saw the movie until like years after it came out. You talk about, we're talking about white chicks. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, and the thing, the, the thing about that movie is like, or the concept and, um, oh my God, now I'm blanking on the, 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 the writers of the movie. The Wayne's brothers. The Wayne's, so, so. They're so nice and they were a fan of the song. Like they, the way they approached me was like, we're big fans of the song. We think the song is like, they like the song. Um, and the people that don't, sometimes people are like, oh, you're just so, you know, you're just the epitome of white chick or whatever that means. And I'm just like, no, but you don't understand. Like they like the song. Like, like they, the Dwayne's are not saying that about me. They, they, they're not saying that. Go talk to them about it. <laughs> but the, it's the only thing that made that joke work. It was so hilarious. How often do you have like a scene like that in the movie that people still talk about? It's like, so, you know what I mean? Totally, totally. And again, new generations discovered the song. So it became a hit for the second and third time right there. So my closing question is for you and or for John, do you have a TV show that you could pass along that, you know, somebody needs a new show to start and this is what they should be checking out? I love The Queen's Gambit. Um, I don't remember now. Oh my God. I feel like my brain is like, especially in COVID, it's like every six months it clears history. I clear <laughs> history. It's just like, burp. um, I wish you, I want to call downstairs, but he won't hear me. I know. I, uh, yeah. The Queen's Gamut was, was one of the last shows that I was just really binged it. You know what I mean? But I like a lot of true crime weird documentaries on like disappearances it's where like obsessed with knowing every which way that i can possibly be killed it's like this very anxiety it's like a, it's like a release of anxiety but it's like yeah it's like let me i need to go calm down and watch forensic files it's like what what is that i don't know what that is well you've got great taste in music and beyond really <laughs> so many years of great music and I, i'm glad to see that this album's getting the deluxe treatment. That's how you know you've made it when you get a deluxe release. It's not just a regular release. I was going to say what makes it deluxe is I, I included two of my demos so you can hear some like really bare bones versions of my original ideas before they get cooked up yeah. and, and a new song. Exactly. Well, looking forward to seeing you live in New York when things get normalish again. But until then, stay yeah. awesome. Outrocast. Thank you so much for doing this. I don't expect you to remember this, but when I interviewed you back in May, I do remember you uh, because you're at your apartment. Uh, oh wow! Okay, well, what a memory on this guy's. I'm going to throw a quote or two that you gave me later on in the interview, but mm -hmm. I want to say that it's great that the album is coming out and all that, and so you now have you know another eight months since then of listening to the album and all that. Are you still at the point where you love the album or do you start to hear some things and go, I wish we did this and that a little differently? And in those eight months, if that's what it's been, I, I remember listening to it once in that entire time. I mean, because the other factor is that, you know, we finished this, we recorded it, 
in June, between June and August 2019. So by the time you and I spoke, if, if it was May 20, you know, like I had, even at that point, I had long since stopped having any real need or desire to hear it. In fact, for quite a long time, I had a real desire not to hear it. <laughs> um, I did, in these last eight months, I, you know, I did lie in, on my bed one day and, and stuck a nice set of headphones on and, and gave it a listen. And what was great was how many surprises there were. Because when you when you become less familiar with, with with any piece of music, because you haven't gone back there in a while, there was so many things happening that were a nice surprise. And really, I I really wouldn't pick. I couldn't find very much that I would have said. Let's. Oh, I wish we'd have changed that. I, I, it. It. I think it came off exactly as as intended. Um, so that that has to be that's a nice place to be. Right. The album done with Tony Hoffer, who's done other albums that you've worked on. Tony's never made an album that didn't sound great. The arrangements, the production, I'm sure you play a hand in all of that as well, but everything just sounds fantastic. One thing I was curious, though, I, I know some artists that have worked with Tony before, but do you do a lot of pre-production with him so that the sounds on the album sound like the demos? No, do you know what? We, we used to. Uh, the, the, um, if I think back to the first album, you know, our first ever album uh, and our first album with Tony, we yeah. definitely did four or five days, uh, yeah, a, a week pre-production. Next time we worked with them, we did two or three days. Uh, but by the time we got to the, the last album, 2018, and, and now this one, no, we really, we really haven't needed, needed to. Um, I think we, we, we all know now that we're at the point where we, we all pretty much, everybody knows their job. You know, I mean, for instance, with this record, you know, we always, when it comes to building each song, some things never change, you know, so like most bands, uh, you're, you're trying to build bass and drums first, you know, you're trying to get that solid foundation uh, before you start uh, all of the, the other stuff, you know, we, we, Barry, Barry and Mince did the, the, their stuff uh, in five and a half days. I mean, usually we, we allow at least two full weeks for bass and drums. Mm -hmm. And this time they, they did it in five and a half days. And when that happened, you know, we were really were looking at each other thinking, okay, now this must sound terrible. There's, there has to be something wrong here. Are we, are we, we suddenly all gone really thick or deaf, or because we can't, that can't surely be it, the drums and bass finish, but it was, and that just comes from, uh, you know, establishing a certain working practice. Um, and the funny thing is, the scope of this record was 
was such that you really would have thought your pre-production would have been a, a, a necessity, but it, I think he, he never mentioned it. And then I forgot all about it. So it, it never came up. When you take a song like The Last Songbird, which it's a great song and it sounds great in my humble opinion, do you hear the backing vocals and arrangement in your head when you're writing it? Uh, yeah, that's especially in, with the last two records and in the last three, four years, my way of writing songs has completely flipped and that I'm really only writing to a particular sound. There'll be, an, there'll be this, you, you'll be hearing this sort of more or less finished thing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like listening to it underwater. And then it starts to become more clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the song that I, I'll build around th- those sounds are completely tailored to the sounds. You know, like the lyrical content has to suit those sounds. So whereas, in, you know, in the olden days, um, you, you, I sat down with a guitar and wrote a song, you know, or sat yeah. at a piano and wrote a song. And those, those days have, have gone for now. Um, it, and what, but one thing I, I will say is that, you know, I think with this record, we we kind of completed a, a run. We kind of completed a, a, a run of albums. Uh, and I, I had always had an idea that we would need to make three continually st- strong records back to back. Why, why it had to be three and why, for what reason as well, I don't know. I think it was, we, we, we had, I definitely, when we had started playing together again, yeah. I had this real sense of what we did in, in the past, we, we could still play on stage for people. Mm-hmm. I just no longer had any idea how to either replicate it. I wouldn't want to replicate it. But I didn't. It just. It didn't. It didn't connect with me at all. So yeah. I was. I was floundering a little bit for a while, trying to work out. Well, in that case, then you know what. What is it that we do? And then I had this. This. This real epiphany when I realised I, I had been so dumb, because if you don't know what it is you're supposed to do, that means you have free reign to do whatever the hell you want. Wow. And that's that's the chain reaction of, of these three records. And, and I think that this one is a culmination of that. I think there'll, there'll have to be a, a shift now onto a, a different way of working. Well, I said before that I wanted to bring up a quote of something you said in May. And this is another one of those, I don't know if John knows how intelligent he is when he says this kind of thing. So I was asking you about the initial hits of the band because weirdly that's 20-ish years now that you've been doing this at a high level. And 
I was asking you if you knew that was a hit and you said, well, I've been asked this before, but as soon as one song is finished, that's the moment you move on to something else. And I was thinking about that, that you've always had side projects outside of the Fratellis. In other words, a lot of bands, you'd say, okay, 20 years, they did seven albums. Okay, that's a good run. And for you, it's, I don't know, six, seven, eight albums. And then like another eight albums <laughs> between everything you did. So I was curious, are you writing every day or creating something in some form every day, even if it's not just a song? Yeah, I mean, the, the absolute truth is uh, in the last, so where are we now? January 21. Yeah. Um, I wrote half a song last year and uh, the year before that I wrote one song that year. Um, wow. It's all, it's, it's been a very strange time. That's yeah. why I say that it feels like there's, there's a certain uh, end of a, a chapter here. Um, but you know, when it comes to, to creativity, you know that, that comment that I've made, you finish one song and that's the point where you move straight on to another one. Mm -hmm. that, that's, not, that's not just, uh, you know, that doesn't just apply to, to, to music or any, or art form. Or, you're, we, are, we are doing that from the moment we wake up in the morning. It's like we are, we are utter, if you think about it, we are utterly desperate and ravenously hungry for experience. You know, like from the moment you open your eyes in the morning, you know, even just the, 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 the movement of your eye to the other side of your room. Sure. Is all, you, you're, you, without, you have no filter to not want to continually be creative. Um, so, I, I, you know, it, it can sound very sort of, very sort of fancy when, when you apply that to, to, to art, but it's what everybody is doing every minute of every day, which makes it sound, you know, that brings it down to earth a bit more. Well said. I'm finding as somebody who does interviews five or six days a week with a mix of songwriters, actors, just all sorts of creatives. Some people are finding it the most creative period they've ever had because they have all this idle time. Other people like yourself, not writing so much. But I found that some of the people that aren't writing songs as much that are songwriters, they have a different outlet. Like they've gone into podcasting or painting. Do you have another part of your life that's not private where you're creating in some form? And it's totally cool if the answer is, no, nah, I'm on break, man. Yeah, the answer is no, and that's in some ways that that that's a bit of an issue. You know, I, I never found anything else. Uh, my life has my life has been constantly orientated towards one thing, and um, I always knew that that that, that could you know, that could have its downside at some point. I just could never imagine a, a time where I wouldn't be constantly making music. Um, but you know, I did, as soon as, as soon as we finished making the last record, 
I did move straight on to something else and ended up uh, doing a, writing a lot of, of music, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess, you know, you would probably come under the sort of soundtrack umbrella. Mm-hmm. And just because I needed to, to, to start again and I didn't want to have to write songs, I didn't want to have to come up with lyrics. I just wanted to make music and, uh, and that got that was a, that was a really in depth four or five months worth of, of hours and hours of, of, of working. Outrocast. 